Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Body Wrappers, Angela Luzio is happy to sponsor this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Wrappers, Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and the designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. March 19th, Tyler will be teaching a master class at Dancewear Corner in Orlando, Florida and hosting a fashion show of her beautiful original leotard designs that fit perfectly, move well with the body, won't ride up in the back, and are ideal for class class rehearsal and performance. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all disciplines and significant to dance teachers this time of year. Body Wrappers performance wear remix for competition and recital consists of various components that can be mixed and matched to create a unique costume you won't see anywhere else, like the one featured on their ad on the Conversations on Dance website. You may view all the products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Body Wrappers performance wear remix items, go to your favorite dance shop or online store. To view and buy the entire collection of Tyler Peck designs, go to dancewear.com corner.com I'm Rebecca King Ferraro and I'm Michael Breeden and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Hi Mikey. Hi Rebecca. How are you? I'm well. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you. I miss you too. You're Rebecca is in uh, Florida and I'm in New York, so we're we're doing this via Skype. We haven't done a talk with just the two of us since my retirement. I think so. It's been a long time. We have so many great people that we've been talking to, but we felt like it was time just for some some us time, you know? Right. And it was it's fitting that that was the last episode we did just the two of us because now you have some news that you would like to share. I do, Mikey. I'm I'm joining you in the retirement train. You're joining me on the other side. I am. I have officially retired from ballet life. I suppose. Um, You. I mean, you had how from beginning to end? How long has your process with your injury been? So my workman's comp injury date is four nine. 
2015. No. That's crazy. 2015? Yeah. 2015. Yeah. So it's that was a while ago, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really the catalyst for your decision to not go back to Miami City Ballet. You took one year leave of absence in the hopes that, you know, you could maybe come back to a point. But after a certain point, uh, you know, it. I, I know this too from my own injuries because I've been working back through this year um, in spite of not having a company to come back to. <laughs> Just like you want to feel like a normal, A, a normal person, B, walking is great. Walking's right? a great like, thing that we forget is is great. <laughs> but then you have just like you want to be able to do a ballet bar at like a, a you know anyone in the world can. <laughs> right. So I've been working back through that too, but I mean it's just you become once you start to finally have a little bit less pain, it's like a cloud lifts over you, but what before that, it's like all you can remember is pain ballet right. becomes an immediate association with pain and unhappiness right and that's you know a thing that we've touched on i think and we talked about it in your retirement episode was that when there's so much pain involved it becomes unfun like you mm-hmm. or not as much fun like you mentioned so that was kind of one of the reasons why i felt like i needed to step away originally because i when i decided to take this year leave of absence for this current um, 17, 18 season, I didn't have a schedule for surgery yet. We didn't know that that was mm-hmm. going to be happening. It was more just like, I need to figure out what's happening because this is not enjoyable anymore. It's painful. And I could tell I was doing harm to my body. Like I knew something was wrong. So right. finally, when I got that surgery decision and I knew the road ahead, I was so glad that I had all the time to do it. But it's mm-hmm. been nine months now. And I think, Michael, since the last time I saw you, my plie is still a little bit better, but it's like marginal. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure that my plie makes you laugh pretty hard, right? Because it's pretty sad. <laughs> well, but it's good. It's, you've, I've seen major improvement. So <laughs> Yeah, my veil plie was the one that really... <laughs> yeah, that was really good. We need to post a video of that or something. <laughs> yeah, because... That was the one that made me cry with laughter. <laughs> yeah, because oh my, it was when I pointed my foot. <laughs> it was so bad because that was when I was still in a boot. Like I wasn't walking yet. That right. was in August. So it was, <laughs> it was comical. And so that was when I had to make the decision about if I try to come back to Miami city ballet starting in, I guess, when does their season start back? I guess like June, maybe um, the thought of how much still has to happen in order to get to a place of professional mm-hmm. ballet, shape being in shape to do all of that is so overwhelming and mm-hmm. like I took a bar with Miami City Ballet I don't know like a month ago that was the first class I had been in with a teacher since um, November of 2016 so that has been a really long time mm-hmm. since I'd really taken a class and so I'm not a ballet dancer anymore let's face it <laughs> <laughs> no but you always We'll always be ballet dancers. It's just, I think that, uh, I mean, now that I'm starting to finally feel a little bit better, like I can actually jump. I'm doing, I did petite allegro, I think Stop. three times this past week. Michael. Um, so I'm moving along. Yeah. So I can do jumps from two feet to one now, which wow. is pretty exciting. Uh, but it's still just like, 
I'm I'm just happy that I'm getting back to a point where I can do that mm-hmm. and have fun. That's all you want. Like if I were to attempt to come back, you know, the workload, it makes me realize how insane our workload was. Oh my God. Because now that we we're just fighting so hard to come back and be like, yeah, I can take a ballet class. But on top of that, you know, so I'm fighting to come back to one an hour and a half a right. day. <laughs> And Remember that when do, that was just the start of the day. That was like yeah. the coffee in the morning. That's, that's your warm up, and then you have six hours of hard rehearsals. You, maybe sometimes you do six ballets in a day. I mean, if we were doing gearing up for a big tour, we'd run all six ballets that yeah. were going. Yeah. And you, being that we were both hard workers, we liked hard work. Like we never wanted to. It was so hard to force yourself to take something easy. Yeah. Um, to be like, I have to mark this. Well, unless you're in pain. We're perfectionists. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But that's another thing that was so terrible about pain was because it forced us to go against our nature of, of being hard workers. And then you shame yourself for that. Like there's, you feel guilty because you can't. Yeah. So now that's behind us. We don't have to, mm-hmm. all we, ballet is only for our Strictly to serve our pleasure. Yeah. And um, while it it was, you know, now that I'm feeling a little better, it is like very easy to get caught up in a fantasy of like, well, maybe I should just come back. <laughs> but <laughs> but then, then it's that that's to, the thing is then you have to consider all of that getting back to that place. Like you oh, yeah. were I mean, just there are mentioning. hundred reasons not to come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it just feels good. There's nothing better than moving your body to music. And it just feels good. I'm glad that that feels good to you. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but you, yeah, you will be, though. I think it's because I still can't move. It's just to me doing like a bar by myself constantly is like so tedious and so boring. And uh, you need to have a pianist. That's what I really do. I do. And you, I think I need to take class with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that would help no, too. Because that's part of the, the what makes ballet so great too, the community. Uh, we're all here doing the same regimen routine um, yeah. every day. So it's nice to just be even in a group of strangers, you're all like united by the same right uh, cause. I hear your cats in the background. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah. um, no, and that is a part of it. And what I also allowed myself to do, because I think there was on top of everything, such an exhaustion from ballet in general for me. I don't think you were maybe there in the same way that I was, but you're, you just love ballet so much. I mean, I do too. I really do. But I just, I was kind of like, I'm over this right now. And but it's so a, I allowed it's, it's myself to association. Yeah. Right. I allowed myself to just be like, well, if you don't want to do class today, don't do it. Like you don't have to. And that was also mm-hmm. a really liberating thing for me. So I've found so many other ways to be moving. And like I was telling you that I've been doing yoga a lot, which I absolutely love. And that's something that like I get up to go to and go do. Uh-huh. And I can motivate myself to do on my own and it's just like really fun and enjoyable and I'm seeing it's really um, there's a lot of I don't do like easy peasy like let's just stretch. Right. It's like the hard workout stuff and mm-hmm. it's so much of it is like stabilizing from your hips and your thighs and that's what I need for my ankle. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of things that are really beneficial um, right. to me. But again, it's like I do that hour and 15 minute class and great. I do hot yoga. So I'm like, you know. It's a little harder, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but 
I'm pooped. Like after that, I'm like, is it nap time? Right. Give me a burger and a nap. And <laughs> that's what I want to do. How could I do a ballet after that? It's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yeah. not there in, in my life. But so, yeah, so it's been kind of for a while. I was really enjoying taking bar. And now I'm kind of like, I don't feel like it. So I haven't been, which is bad because I don't want to lose it completely either. So I need to find a way to make it fun and motivational mm-hmm. to myself again. Cause I also you just need to be in a class with people, I think. Yeah. And a pianist. And, and I want to feel teacher. my turnout muscles, you know, that's like mm-hmm. my favorite well, thing very, about bar. It's yeah. My it's very muscles. easy to, I'm in just in a different lucky position because there are a thousand classes yes. in New York city happening at any given point. So if I want to go do something, uh, you know, move and, dance to some classical music i can go anywhere in the city and i can you can actually hide pretty well like i was so terrified of going to willie berman's steps class just because you feel you can feel very exposed and so there's a lot of great dancers i was like willie i've I've been on for four and a half months don't look at me (laughs) it's like the scene of bridesmaids (laughs) look away (laughs) that's so good Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, I have to find a time at, like, maybe 7 o'clock at night when I can take mm-hmm. a class that my students take when I'm not mm-hmm. teaching them. That's my option. Right. <laughs> so that's a little more limiting, too. Um, but anyways, Michael, what I wanted to ask you about is how you're feeling about your body. <laughs> oh, in terms of how your body, like, maybe changes? Yeah, what, what changes are you experiencing? Well, I think I was lucky. I didn't. Well, because I. Oh, goodness. My cats are really going at it right now. Are I they have playing? three cats. Oh, I don't hear it. Introduce your cats to everyone. <laughs> the one that was hissing is Cat. Always. His name is just Cat. Um, but reference to? Breakfast at Tiffany's, sort of. That's what we kind of, you know pull it off as but really it was just because he was a stray that we were feeding for two years and then ultimately had to take in is so cat a boy or a pound. girl he's a boy we have three boys but weren't you confused that he was a girl for a while wasn't that a thing no, no? that's oh. dan there was another cat that we had named dan <laughs> right. and then one day we saw her with three little kittens and we're like oh <laughs> dan is a lady cat but you know um obama's mother her name was stanley apparently so oh. All right. We, that was a fun so it's um, a thing. bonus. Yeah, okay. we, <laughs> we unwittingly named her after Obama's mother. That's me. Um, she used to come oh into God, your what apartment. What is wrong with you guys? Stop. Okay. Yes. Uh, oh, Kat or, the, or Stan? Stan. Stan? No, Stan was very standoffish. We tried to catch her a thousand times and she just kept having litter after litter. Oh. And we'd trap, we'd trap her kittens and then neuter them. I'm, we're really doing well with me sounding like an insane cat person. No, right I, now. I really like it. I remember when one time you guys were gone and I went to your apartment to feed the cats and I opened the door and like four cats came in from the outside and I was like, what do I do? Because <laughs> they just always <laughs> would go into your apartment to be fed oh, and then leave. There was some, that was one of my favorite things about. Florida. I love straight cats. <laughs> there were so the, many around you guys. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so you have Cat. Okay, and back, then to, back to Oh, we got to introduce all of them? Yeah. Cat and, and Barnaby. Barnaby's And beautiful. Bojangles. Bojangles so is skittish. Three, he's skittish, but he now he sleeps in my lap, so. Coming out of his I shop. really, I've cat whispered them all. <laughs> so, this all is right. my, my second uh, career skill. 
is a ballet dancer and a cat whisperer. Yeah. So if anyone wants to <laughs> employ me <laughs> uh, in that capacity, I'd be willing to consider. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to body changes. Bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? I always it was interesting because the the end also coincided with what always happened to me anyway. Dancers, ironically, summer bodies, which people, you know, you peruse any Instagram and it's like working on my summer body. I have a fierce. Yeah. Well, we get fat in the summer. I know. We, <laughs> I was just thinking when you we, said summer body, that was exactly what I thought of. Like, oh, you're fat body. No, especially <laughs> towards the end. But I always used to like to um, take class in the summer and I like class. But as we talked about, we had injuries for, and mine, I had other things that would go, that would kind of accumulate through the season and then summer comes up and you're like bye ballet time to you know right. heal yes and so i wouldn't be doing much of anything and then i would put on weight so that like that was pretty much what happened to me this year was in keeping with every previous summer right and then i think my body just figured it out it was like oh this is your life now <laughs> so <laughs> It was like, let's figure this out for you. Wow. You also just, there, there are things that um, you, I mean, your diet has to change because you don't need to. I'm less hungry generally. I am. Would you I'm agree? De- definitely, definitely less hungry. Yeah. But previously I would have eaten more out of habit, you know? Right. I mean, it like, doesn't stop is... me from eating that I'm not hungry, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm have to listen hungry. to that hunger mechanism. I know. That's there was a, a time... There was like two weeks where I was like, wow, I'm just really not hungry. I'm going to have like a little bit of food and I'm full and that's it. And then my mm-hmm. appetite came back and then so it was two weeks. It was great. <laughs> really enjoyed it. But now I, I've started well, because part of my recovery, you know, you have yoga and you really love that. And a lot of people love gyro or other Pilates and things that right. I've always been a hater. <laughs> I don't like to do things outside of ballet. Ballet was always the way that I liked to be physically active. Um, And I always used to shame people for doing other things, which is really unfair because I I know that it's helpful. But I would say, you know how you get better at ballet? By doing ballet. (laughs) (laughs) um, Well, it's funny that you said that about what your summer regimen was and that you've kind of fallen into that pattern because my summer regimen was always like, okay, ballet is not natural for your body. It hurts your body go away from ballet I would take especially my last three or four summers all I would do would be cross training the entire time and then Mm -hmm. the first ballet class I would take is the first ballet class coming back but it was always I always felt so good and so strong at the beginning of the season when I would come back and take ballet class it would be crazy I wouldn't even be sore or anything Mm -hmm. it was because I spent time doing other things like Pilates or yoga or whatever Mm -hmm. and lots of physical therapy stuff to strengthen everything else. And when I would come back, I'd be like, Oh, I'm stronger and more flexible. And wow, this is great. And then it would just deteriorated because then my body body was like, no ballet. Ah, right. So I fell into that system. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have been reconsidering. So because I've done like a pretty extensive PT physical therapy program, Mm -hmm. um, to help recover from my injuries and I ended up liking it. It did make me reconsider. Like maybe I, you know, I should have been doing something more during my career. I mean, too late now, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, I think it could have been productive if I could have found a way to enjoy it. Like I do now, but then it's exactly like you say, like how in the, in the course of your 
eight hours of dancing Mm -hmm. day, you're supposed to stay at the studio until 10 doing a thousand more exercises, cross training, you'll die. Well, like you really only have, you, you have a, it's like Trump says, we have a limited amount of energy to extend. (laughs) Well, that's what, and that's what I was told. And that's kind of one of the things that made me so frustrated was like, well, you just have to do more exercise. And I was like, but when and how? And it was like, oh, what you should do is jump on the reformer more. And I'm like, I can't even walk home at the end of the day. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? So yeah. there has to be, and that's what's so great. And it, and what's interesting too is there's been these kind of conversations among people in the dance medicine realm. I know that they talk mm-hmm. about how like um, athletes, for example, when they are training they and practicing, they're training hard, 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 hard. And then when it comes time to be doing games or whatever, then they're watching video back. They're doing other sorts of cross training. They're not training as hard. And of course with ballet, you can't necessarily copy that entire model because you need to be rehearsing cast change, you know, whatever. But is there something to be said for during performance time, doing something different and, Mm -hmm. you know, changing the regimen and not being pounding your body because what really matters is what you do on stage and you're going to go always go all out on stage, just like athletes doing a game. So, you know, know, it's like that mentality. You know, it's interesting. Um, I have found out that Sarah Mearns does not do um, company class in the season. Really? She she only she she does a class, but she does her own own. class every day. Hmm. I mean, you can see even on her Instagram, she shows. um, I saw that a a jumping combination, right? Yeah, but that's just like she does her own class every single day. I mean, a that takes a lot of discipline to to, you know. I, I like having someone tell me what to do. Totally, yeah. <laughs> but, well, so you can um, focus on other things, yeah. Right, but th- there maybe there is something to to that that um, you you know you're only making your body do what it needs, it needs to do to warm up and um, for that day. I love um, Daniel Applebaum, who is a dancer with New York City Ballet and a good friend of mine. He has this joke. I think it's a joke, at least. He says before on a hard performance day, don't do anything that you don't do in a warm up. In a warm up, don't do anything that you don't have to do that day, and don't do anything that you have to do too much of. That's a good. I mean, I like that. I don't think that's a joke. But it's also got to be real. It was also just like everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like too much of what, like going on point. Don't go on point. (laughs) I kind of like it though. That's I mean. It's a good way to think about it. But that's the thing. Your body just needs so much more. So so it needs something different when you're doing a sort of, you know, such a rigor, rigorous schedule. Mm. I can talk. Yeah. I, swear. I just want. Yeah, I think I hope and think that both of us will get to a point where we can take ballet class in a, you know, a fairly pain free way and feel you know, not like total garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm fun with where it. I'm like, I just want to get a little bit more in shape, ballet shape to feel good in class. Like yeah. not to, to do anything, but just like, cause some days in the beginning it was depressing because that's what I was just so far you. off. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing for me that I'm finding. It's like, even I'm so silly. It's like when I'm doing my exercises and it's like, 
why can my hip not support this? Like I get so frustrated. I'm like, is this ever mm-hmm. going to come back to me? Like mm-hmm. what's going on? It's been nine months past my surgery. But then I have to remember like you've only been active for like five of those months maybe. Right. And at the beginning you weren't like active all the way. And before then you weren't doing anything for X amount of time. But it's it's so scary to me like we know, right, Michael, that like when we have a layoff of one week, that so mm-hmm. much of your stamina, so much of your all that that you've worked towards can just disappear. So what does it mean for a year later? Ah, mm-hmm. it scares me. Like, what if it never comes back at all in any way? I think that our problem is that we've never experienced something yes. as limiting as this. Mm-hmm. But there are so many examples I can think of. Granted, these people were younger, <laughs> but people are, you know, people have injuries that last a year or two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alexandra Antonelli, one of my favorite dancers at the New York City Ballet, when I was at the School of American Ballet watching every day, um, she was out for two years. I mean, and then yeah. she came back and was great. It's crazy. But um, Margot Fontaine had injuries that would last maybe not quite that long, but, right. you know, a year or two. And, you know, I think it's just, it's in your body. I was surprised too, but by how much is still in my body. Yeah. Um, Are you surprised about what's not in your body though? (laughs) Sometimes I, we always joke about this because I, we've laughed about it before. Like when we were dancers, we're like, when you're not a dancer anymore, do you forget how to do ballet? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm like, am I forgetting how to do ballet? Like the other day, I was actually going to text you because the other day I'm teaching class and the girls had their point shoes on and I was like, let's do a waltz from the corner, you know, and I was like, but do it on point. And they were like, what? And I was like, wait, that's a thing, right? And then I got so nervous. I was like, is it no, a thing? No, it's definitely a thing. I Thank would, if you. I, okay. Yeah, it's 100% a thing. I just watched Dubrovska's point class from SAB from the 70s. Is that a video that's online somewhere? Because I need to show it's them. It's not online, but you need to you need to come to the library and we'll okay. we'll watch it's good. But see, but see, it's, then it's I started second is. guessing myself like I didn't feel because then I was thinking like, yes, I remember having conversations about it. But then I was thinking like, wow, how do you even execute it? Because I haven't had a point shoe on since 2016. And <laughs> and then I felt so weird. And it's like these things are s- starting to like leave my body in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, even for me to continue teaching, I have to keep all of this right. in my body and keep it fresh or else... Mm-hmm. I'm doing a disservice to my students, I think. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that's the best way to be like Susie, Susie Pilar, who is the teacher at school of American ballet and stager of Balanchine works. <laughs> she's, she's our favorite. We love her. We did a great episode with her. Go she's back in our library podcast. and find it. Yeah. And she still teaches every day on point. And I what mean, did she say been, when we asked her about it? I loved her answer. We're like, why do you still do it? Do you remember? What was was her answer? She goes, she goes, well, I'm just afraid if I take them off, I'll never be able to put them back on again. (laughs) It's true. And that's, yeah, exactly. You just have to. Just don't stop. I I remember, I think, who was this? Um, Oh, shoot. What's her name? You have to give me one second. Oh, uh, Elizabeth Platel, who's this, you know, beautiful, famous etoile. Recently, someone posted a video of her um, in sleeping beauty variation it's like the most technically perfect thing i've ever seen yeah um we should post that repost okay. yeah, um, for this week we'll anyway do. so she's a you know great dancer well-respected dancer i think it was her 
I don't mean to misquote her, but it's a good quote, whoever it is. And she <laughs> said, like, after dancing, you're like, you know, you want to treat yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, to be like, you know, ugh, I retired and now I'm going to take, you know, time off. Right. And she took a few months off, and which she had never done in her life. Yeah. And then she came back and was like, oh, my God, my body's broken. Right, right. You, you know, like, you have to – you do have to keep it going. Keep it going. It really – I mean, and, and even like I realized I have to do ballet before I teach my kids. I have to do my own mm-hmm. bar before it because helps. you can't just like go in there and, you know, start trying to show things like your body needs mm-hmm. the Warm-up help too. too. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing too is that I do everything all on one side because mm-hmm. I have to show plies. So I do it yeah, yeah. with my left oh, foot as – my supporting foot, like my good foot as my supporting leg so I can show plies. And I'm just like, I didn't do that on the other side, those last five combinations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about that now that I'm seeing progress in my injured side. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's uh, like you've come out feeling so jank because <laughs> you've only worked one half of your body. <laughs> the other thing that I realized too is do you have a hard time showing, breathing, and talking? all at the same time it's gotten better oh my god i remember the first time or if i'm excited like recently i taught at brooklyn ballet uh-huh. um, oh yeah that's so cool and yeah it was a, i taught company class and there was a great group of dancers and they tagged they were on all instagram. they tagged us on instagram they were all so receptive and it was a group of professionals and adults which i don't typically work with so mm-hmm. it was exciting for me yeah so i was getting very into it and just kind of you know, talking nonstop and showing a lot. And I was so out of breath. Yeah. And then I tell, like, I'll tell my kids, I'm like, oh my God, you guys, I'm so out of shape. Like, can you believe this? Ha ha ha. And then they just like, look at me. I'm like, they're just, they just blink. Yeah. They're like, I don't get it. I'm like, guys, I'm old and I don't dance anymore. I'm not used to this. Sometimes I make old jokes in hopes that they'll be like, what? You're not old. That never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So good. It's like, but as a kid, it's like everybody seems old because they're older than you, you know? Oh Mm -hmm. my God, that's fantastic. I love that. Have you made a center stage reference and no one knows what you're talking about? Oh, not yet. (gasps) Oh dear. I've done it and there's a couple people that get it and I'm like, well, that's good. But I feel like they're like watching it like on a VHS somewhere because that's the only way to watch it. I don't know. No, there's got to. <laughs> I'm sure I own the DVD of it. But I just mean like it must be hard to get access to, you know. Okay, so I think that we could segue into a different topic. Let's segue. Let's take a break uh-huh. really quick first to hear from our sponsor, and then we'll come right back. We want to take a moment to talk to you about our sponsor, Studio Headphones. Studio wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones, not just as a tech device, but also as an accessory. In the current headphone market, it seems that you can choose between one of two things, tech or style. But Studio is bridging that gap by bringing you high quality sound that matches the quality of even the highest rated headphones on the market with a fashionable and modern look for a fraction of the cost. 
Michael and I have both been loving our sleek tray style studio headphones. They are sleek and lightweight and have sound transparency that allows you to hear traffic and conversations around you, making these headphones perfect if you live in a busy city. The Bluetooth technology makes these headphones wonderful to use when you are warming up for class or performances so you won't get tangled up in wires. So don't wait. Start listening to Conversations on Dance today with studio headphones. We are happy to be able to offer our listeners 15% off any purchase when you use promo code DANCE at checkout. Go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, or click the link in the description of this episode on iTunes. Now, let's get back to it. So, uh, New York City Ballet is under a very serious transition. Peter Martins has um, retired, which means that only the third director uh, in the history of New York City Ballet is about to be appointed. So that's over the course of, I think, 70 years, they've only had two heads of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really big deal. Um, and everyone is kind of throwing their uh, two cents in about what qualities the next director should have. Um, Who it should and, be and that sort of thing. Right, that sort of uh, issue. Because um, even though Peter was... Uh, I actually think at the time, I believe Bob Gottlieb said at the time when Peter was picked as director, it was a relatively uncontroversial decision. Later, people had issues, but mm-hmm. it was he was the seemingly natural person to step in Sure, as, as far as things were running at that exact moment in time. Well, and balancing shows him, which always makes a difference, right. too. Although there are some people that say maybe Balanchine... I guess, never explicitly said it was Peter. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's part of the part of the controversy, controversy there. But um, other people say that that was part of Balanchine's, um, you know, plan. He's just such an intelligent man. He, mm-hmm. he, no one could ever blame him in death for picking right. the wrong person if he merely kind of semi-indicated. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. Well, I anyway, think- so but it, it it was like the natural thing to happen at that moment. Sure. And now it doesn't seem like there is that candidate. Right. Well, and I think it's interesting because I don't think we'll we don't want to get into the controversy surrounding it that sort of thing. We're not interested in that. That can all play out on its own, but what's interesting to us, I think in particular is what does it mean for the ballet world because it just the change at all this change was going to happen no matter what someday no matter how it happened it was going to happen that's just life but what does it mean for ballet in our country ballet in this world i mean when we talk about um the works that we've done at miami city ballet the fact that we do justin peck works that came from new york city ballet that they have been fostering his talent that we work with Ratmansky. Ratmansky does so much with New York city ballet as well. So mm-hmm. they've shaped helped shape what other companies around the country do. So this new person making artistic decisions has the ability to change kind of all of us. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. They've, they've maintained their, they maintain their uh, status as the great greatest purveyor of great new classical works, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And I mean, you know, certainly a lot of critics agree with that. When you have 
the company producing Alexi's works, Alexi Romansky, Justin Peck, Chris Wielden, um, that all those works have kind of filtered out into the global dance mm-hmm. world. And um, that's no small feat. So Right. And when they find new choreographers, then they often go on to do things other places as well. So it's just so interesting. I mean, I don't know. I would never want the job of an artistic director. The amount of things that they have to do, what they have to juggle, and juggling all the dancers. I mean, what are they now? How many dancers are they? Over 100, right? The company? It's around 100, 90 to 100. I mean, just imagine being the purveyor of their happiness in so many ways. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of work. I th- Yeah, I think that, um, you know, this is something else to talk about is the position of artistic director as it presently stands um, the best way for things to keep going. Like you have to be someone that can raise a ton of money and you have to, to be a coach and uh, you know, yeah, foster your dancers in this way. Like maybe, maybe these positions could be more split up. Like for instance, Balanchine uh, had Lincoln Kirstein by his side, making sure that the finances were always on point. Um, right. And certainly there are executive directors now, but I think maybe Peter, being such a charming man and having such a knack for fundraising, uh, helped move that into the role of artistic director. And certainly we personally know about our director, Edward Vallela. Um, who, you know, could charm the pants off of anyone he met. And that was a a very important skill for the company that Edward possessed that. Right. Um, So it seemed like there was a shift at at a certain point into um, now an artistic artistic director has to be an excellent uh, fundraiser as well. Right. And I don't know that that was always the case. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Maybe what's I'm inter- just making stuff up, but it seemed like certainly Balanchine didn't go around begging for money, I don't think at least. Right. Well, it never seems like we hear those sorts of stories in that right. way. But what's interesting to me is that the executive director so often is an administrative person who um, is familiar with the arts, but not necessarily a dancer. And the reason mm-hmm. why so many donors want to see the artistic directors because likely they're a big star. They're a big name. They're interesting. They're dancers. And that's, you know, these people are there to learn more about ballet, be a part of ballet. So that's something that they're looking for. But what if the executive director was also a big name in ballet and, Mm -hmm. you know, also took on, could take on that role as well to take a little pressure Mm -hmm. off the artistic director. I just think that because it's become the standard is there any way to really take those two, you know, take the fundraising role away from an artistic director because that's what the donors want since they know mm-hmm. that it's happened before it happened well, other places. And it, it's interesting you brought up the whole issue of being a name, a big name. Do we think that that's just something that people have decided, but it could be a potential fallacy? Oh, I think I mean, so. But it, like, it's... Okay, for instance, Angel Correa going to Pennsylvania Ballet. Mm-hmm. Philly, love Philly. But it's not a particularly uh, ballet-centric city. Right. You know, maybe Angel had other qualities they were interested in, but 
certainly part of it was his star power. Right. But, you know, what does that actually mean in a city that cares more about sports? I think what it means is that it makes the board feel comfortable. mm -hmm. But there's such different – I mean, the fact that you could go out on stage and do 10 pirouettes has nothing to do with can you program a season, Mm -hmm. coach dancers. So it's just – it's a – Something that's happened, if you'll look across the board, it seems that generally the only people that can get artistic director positions are men who have been principal dancers with either New York City Ballet or American Ballet Theater. Mm -hmm. There's occasionally an exception for a soloist in there or an exception for someone maybe from San Francisco Ballet. And then Lourdes, our former director, present director of Miami City Ballet, seems to be the only female exception running a major company in America. Mm-hmm. I think next again, down with you have... Exactly. So mm-hmm. it's a definite formula. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it just something that we're just comfortable with seeing and that's why we're sticking to it? What if mm-hmm. someone went on a, on a limb and chose someone else? And this is another thing that we've kind of touched on before, Um, especially as it relates back to our career transitions is when you leave your career as a core member and that's all I hate to say it, but that's all that's on your resume. It's so, so much less of a draw um, for people. And it doesn't mean that you've danced any less or I mean, like, especially you, you dance so many principal roles, right? (laughs) It's one person decided that you will stay a core member. You know what I mean? Or one person decided that you're now a principal, but then that can change your role in the ballet world for years to come after. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, who's to say that there's not a real gem somewhere in the court of ballet, like you, for example, I would love to see you run a company. I think you want give me a company to run. Okay. Let's build one. (laughs) No, I don't know that there would be like, I don't, that's what I think about. Like I would, you know, I would love to have a team of people that I worked with that where we all helped foster, you know, uh, a great atmosphere that's good for creating great art. Right. But there are certain things that would never really appeal to me, like the fundraising element. Um, but some people probably have a real natural knack for that. See, isn't that funny? Um, Because I feel like for artistic directors, maybe a lot of the things that would scare them about their job is the responsibility of taking care of the dancers and fostering mm-hmm. that environment. Like that's the thing that's intimidating to them and the fundraising things, probably the thing that comes really easily. So I find that very interesting that you said that. Yeah. I mean, some people, yeah, I mean, everyone just has different strengths and I think that it's best to draw upon each person's strength so maybe right and acknowledge maybe looking for like a messiah figure to be like you know to do everything is silly i think i think we could do better um the i mean i've heard a few people floating ideas of um you know different people heading different uh parts like if you had suzanne farrell come back to new york city ballet and just entrusted her like with the balance sheet rep that she's like, you know, queen bee of balance sheet. Uh, Mr. B. <laughs> that she, she, uh, you know, that's her department. She takes care of the ballet. She oversees what right. the, the stagers within that realm are doing. She casts them, you know, and then you have maybe Justin overseeing new, new ballets. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Someone looking after and then, Robins and yeah. And then you, so to sort of divvy it up, which I guess ostensibly that's what ballet masters are for. But I think that we know the director has always been a sort of dictator position. Right. Well, and I think what's interesting is this kind of goes back to a business model is that mm-hmm. this to us and to dancers alike and artistic staff don't necessarily see it as a business. It's so much more than that. But then mm-hmm. the people who are making the decisions are the board members who are all business people and successful business people. So they want to keep it a business model. And it comes from a marketing <clears throat> perspective too, because how do you market the company um, with four people, for example, like we're talking about in charge of all these different departments. But I think that what you're suggesting makes so much more sense, you mm-hmm. know, f- taking care of an arts organization. And another, in right. terms of ideas, um, I was listening to Barry Carolis's podcast, um, which you guys should all check out. It's really great. He was talking about um, this issue and he was saying that should there be kind of like a training program a little bit mm-hmm. where um, people who have, have been in the position then train um, someone new or give them, offer them things. It's kind of like, don't they say like the president's club? Like no one knows what it's like to be president until you're there. And so mm-hmm. former presidents offer support to, you know, and they like form a bond mm-hmm. in a way that they didn't expect regardless kind of a part yeah. of that sort of thing. So, yeah. and I feel like so many times what happens is a director leaves and maybe it's not on the terms they wanted. And then that keeps them from sharing keeps them from having the ability to share their knowledge of what they've learned over decades running a company. And that's a shame too, you know, Mm -hmm. as it is such a unique position to be in, to have to juggle all those things. Right. Well, I don't know. I don't have a dog in this fight, but I, I do know that the one thing I want in terms of New York City Valley moving forward is for Suzanne Farrell to be back in some capacity. <laughs> I have this yeah. fantasy of her coming out to bow, maybe for something she set and just like everyone giving her a standing ovation and crying and, and this very beautiful cathartic moment of, you know, wrongs end up writing themselves in the world eventually if you wait long enough. I love it. I think that's so. Great. Well, yeah. Mikey, we got to wrap it up. <laughs> but that was so great okay. catching up with you. And All right. we have a we few. Bore everyone to tears. <laughs> no, I thought, I mean, I had fun. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I know we always get concerned when we post podcasts of just us. Like, will anyone listen? And then people, people care. Listen. So drop us a <laughs> yeah. note um, on Instagram or social media or send us an email if you listened and you liked it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let us know if we should do this more often because we mm-hmm. normally shy away from it. But um, we have a few exciting things coming up. We're going to be going to San Francisco Ballet in April to be a part of their Unbound Festival. Not as dancers, as you can clearly tell. <laughs> but um, to go and do some pre-performance talks and record some podcasts there. Yeah, we're super excited for that. I mean, the amount of talent, A, within the ranks of San Francisco Ballet, obviously, you have incredible dancers that we would love to talk to, um, and who don't get to see that often, since we have the entire continental U.S. dividing us. Yeah. Um, But on top of that, you have 12 choreographers who are world-renowned and all creating new works, and I think that... um, I think we're going to have some really interesting content to bring to our audience. Yeah, I'm super excited. Finally, we'll be expanding to the West Coast, something we've wanted to do for a long time. But we found that we just enjoy so much doing um, in-person interviews. So 
we end up kind of staying within where we can easily get to and who we can easily access. So it's going to be really fun for us to get over there. There's also some other exciting things in the pipeline that we'll be sharing with you as we can. Right, exactly. So So, um, yeah, it's good, good, good to be a part of conversations on dance right now. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. All right, Mikey, well, it was great talking to you and we'll be in touch as usual. See you later. Bye. Bye. We have a lot of really exciting announcements coming up and great new content planned for the rest of 2018. So we hope that you will all continue to join us for that and subscribe now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that you are automatically notified of new content as soon as it goes live. We also hope that you're following us on social media at Conversations on Dance. Thanks for listening. See you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.